0: hey guys welcome back to another episode of the anglers happy hour podcast in today's episode we go deep into offshore ledge fishing how to find them how to set up your electronics and how to catch them we also debate the top five most classic all-time fishing baits not just bass fishing but fishing in general uh, had a fun little talk there so hope you guys enjoy and um stick around thanks you say who doesn't love a challenge, and Rob said me? (laughs) Yeah,
1: I think so. (laughs) That's why we're all friends. Rob and I are on the same uh, wavelength. He answered truthfully to my sarcastic question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'll admit, I like when things come easy. Yeah, it's great, dude, but you need a challenge, I guess, to really enjoy it when something does come easy.
1: That's that's pretty Buddhist of you, Josh. Look at you. You must have been reading some, like, sinoquies or something. Where'd you get so deep
0: <laughs> right on well hey uh welcome back everyone to the angler's happy hour podcast again we're doing this remotely rob is in the white mountains of arizona nick is in the heat of his garage and i am in a uh, small cabin in tennessee that i uh, just walked into about five minutes ago so um hopefully this sounds okay but um we didn't want to miss a week it is uh, it's Sunday, so this is gonna be released tomorrow and uh, appreciate everyone tuning in what uh, what's going on with you guys we'll uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Nick what uh, what's up your way?
1: Hey man, just coming at you live from the autonomous zone of Nick's house in Gilbert um not a lot man just uh, just just doing the thing. we're kind of in the throes of uh, the longest spring break in history you know where we never went back to school and now hopefully we're looking at another couple weeks from school to start up and some regularity will form. Have you guys seen any of that crazy stuff going on in Seattle where like it it's apparently it's it's called the Chaz which is the Capitol Hill autonomous zone? Have you seen anything about that?
0: Is that where I they blocked thought. six streets off and made it their uh,
1: their own area? Yeah, exactly, dude. It's like an island in the United States of America <laughs> where there's just like, you know, I think it started out I don't know a ton about it, but I, I read just a a couple of headlines and I think it started out as a pretty serious place where there was protesting. And, you know, I think maybe that it escalated to some extent, but now it sounds like it's just turned into like a giant, like burning man music festival where like dreadlocked ladies are like making lattes and like coloring with chalk on the sidewalks. And it's just kind of like lawlessness handholding. Sometimes I feel like right now with all the kids and craziness in my house, I feel like I'm living in my own Chaz. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like who knows if anyone's wearing any clothes like we we mostly communicate with eye contact and like clicking and muttering at this point like it's it, we're 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 ready for uh we're ready to get out on the water and do some fishing i'll tell you that
0: good times did you get did you get your uh vehicle fixed yet i know last time we talked you guys all had to pile in through your driver's side door because <laughs> yeah. your un- door wouldn't un- your doors in your truck wouldn't unlock. Is that is that squared away? We have
1: not rectified the issue, unfortunately. Uh, we're we're thinking about maybe buttering up the windows so we can wedge them through all the different crevices because I'm about ready to get on the lake like in the next 10 minutes. But uh, I did not, unfortunately, get out on the lake this week because the uh, tow vehicle woes are continuing. But uh, that's OK, man. That's a first world problem.
0: Yeah, that's the truth, but uh yeah, hopefully hopefully they can get that thing squared away, man. It's uh
1: So I've been I've been driving Big Mike because I Big Mike has a very sketchy um bumper mounted uh tow ball and uh the bumper looks like it's from the early 80s as the rest of the truck and it's anything but level. It's kind of got like a little 45 degree cock to it because it's so dented. But uh, I took her for a test drive for about an hour the other afternoon in the 110 degree heat, wondering if she could make it to the lake with the boat. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think that's in the cards either. So did you we'll hook just the have...
0: boat up to it? Did no, but jump? I wanted
1: oh. I I wanted to at least see how bad it was going to perform in the 110 degree heat without 4,000 pounds behind it. And uh, <laughs> it performed poorly enough that I I don't think <laughs> I don't think my will has been updated recently enough to try that. So. So another week lost.
2: That's terrible.
1: But it was funny, um, dude. I took it on a, a run to uh, one of my uh, rental properties. I've got a mobile home that uh, I'm, I'm cleaning up to get ready to sell. And my neighbor is, is just difficult, man. Since I've owned that place, he's he's got the victim mentality. You know what I mean? Where like everything is happening to him and in spite of him. And he's just, you know, he's a challenging guy. So I show up and he's got this just bastardized utility trailer that i think he built with like a butter knife and some some masking tape he's got it freaking chained to my fence in front (laughs) of my house in your yard in my yard so i just i just drove you know an hour in my (laughs) 30 year old truck with no ac and 110 degree heat to that and i was doing some deep breathing before i just came unglued on him and did uh, you come
0: unglued on him
1: well, you know me, I'm a peaceful type, but so I go and knock on his door and I'm just thinking like, I just need to keep my cool because nothing good is going to come from me blowing up on him and just ripping him a new one. Cause I've already, in, I've already interacted with this character many times over the last three years, but this was feeling like the final straw. And so of course he comes out and he's ready to fight cause he knows I'm I'm fixing to like hook onto that trailer and rip it out of my fence and drag it down the, the street and push it into the ditch. And uh, he's like, Oh, well I can't leave it in front of my house cause I'm doing body work on my, my late father's 56 freaking jalopy in the garage. And he just starts giving me this story about why the trailer can only live in front of my house chain link, you know, locked to my chain link fence. And uh, dude, I proceeded to stand in front of him for 45 minutes and listen to him I you know poor guy I think he's got some PTSD going on or something he lost his wife and daughter in a mm. in a kind of an accident and so I think maybe you know a couple of the beers fell out of the six-pack and now he's just working with what he's got so I do have empathy and some compassion for him but I my mean side wants desperately to get on like offer up or Craigslist and buy the cheapest running and driving car I can find like a $200 beater and go park it in front of his and be like sorry dude that's the only place I have to park it <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing? That's not, like,
0: that, that answer just doesn't work. Like, that's it's not logical, dude. It's, dude, uh, maybe if you apply. live
1: in the Chaz, but we don't. This is still the United States of America, at least over there. So long-winded story about nothing, but I had to laugh. You know, this crazy guy is, you know, he's got 37 little ankle-biter dogs yipping and yapping. And he's wow. like, no, man, I can't park it in front of mine. I'm sanding Bondo on this 50-year-old boat anchor. I'm like, hmm, okay, man.
0: Not much of an oh. HOA there, I assume.
1: <laughs> Dude, the HOA is—it's uh, barely running at this point. It's a uh, one-cigarette-smoking lady who hacks and coughs <laughs> into the phone every time you talk to her. I got an HOA statement from her one time, and I kid you not, the sheet of paper was just like printed off of a you know desktop printer, and it was yellow, stained yellow, and smelled like oh cigarette smoke.
2: Son. Can you <laughs> say HOA and chain-link fence in the same? ah.
1: (laughs) in this HOA you sure can (laughs) (laughs)
2: they call it HOA Nick
1: it is yeah
0: that's amazing
1: well because you know it's, it's a mobile home park but it's not one of the ones you know we actually own the land in there so it's still you know it's kind of like park in the sense of maybe you know one enclosed area surrounded with other you know properties like that and you know it's actually a really nice little home there is some stuff in there that's rough and when I bought this one it was pretty rough but we fixed it up and made it a nice respectable place but this old cat next door is just man I he's about to get a Suzuki esteem chain links to his fence and be like sorry bro it doesn't run don't know what to tell you <laughs> That's Ridiculous. Right. So Rob yeah I will yeah I'll, more to be revealed with Mr. Wada his last name's Wada 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 Bing So Rob what's up with you man you're over there in the uh, chilly pines of northern Arizona
2: Dude, I have nothing that compares to that, but I'm, it's 81 degrees up here, which seems warm anywhere else, but here it's pretty nice. Um, the wind is blowing so hard, my truck is moving as we speak. It's like <laughs> rocking back and forth. Wow. Um, Good day to be I on I the just, water. Well, I just completed, a, just finished up a guide trip on a lake that I've been on one other time before, which is not a great recipe for guiding, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Fake it till you make it, brother. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, I've been on this all the time. What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> it was uh, some. It was parents of a friend of mine, and he just wanted me to see if I could get him on some fish in this area. And uh, I launched my boat at 4:30 this morning, literally tied up to the dock i cast up to the ramp that i just launched on and caught two really nice smallmouth on a spinnerbait nice. still dark out jeez we ended up catching one walleye and one little small mouth so that's it a kiss of death <laughs> it is man it's terrible but so i've i've been up here since friday i came up friday we fished uh actually we went mountain biking first me and a buddy of mine that lives up here or, or vacation has a vacation home up here um we went mountain biking, fished in the evening on Friday. Got up early Saturday morning and fished. Mountain biked in the afternoon and then fished this morning. And then I'm on my on my way home. So, it's uh, believe it or not, I'm pretty tired. It's hard to sleep up at this elevation. I think we're at I don't know 7,000 feet. So that affects just, uh, your sleep. Oh, uh, uh, mine big time. Wait till you really, know, Josh. Yep. I guess that's just old guy talk. But yeah, it just affects my breathing. So. I have a hard time sleeping. So if my
1: wife hears this podcast and hears you complain about not being able to sleep in the high elevation, she's going to murder you with the blunt end of a hammer.
2: Well, <laughs> all right, that'll be
0: interesting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally.
0: Rob's like, dude, I've been through that. I've been through having kids and stuff. He's got he's got no uh, yeah. sympathy for us at I have all. No dude. Like, whatever. I I'd
1: take exactly. my, he did. I he did one. Needs. He did one. All
2: right. Whatever. So, that's Rob, what, uh, what lake was it, dude? Was it? Uh, Sholo, Sholo Lake. It's right in town up here in Sholo. Um, so, when we fished it Friday, uh, my buddy caught an absolute toad smallmouth. Like, how nice, dude. How big? It, probably three and a half. I mean, that's, nice for a little lake up in the mountains, that's pretty good, I think. And the fish yeah. are so fat. Um, we saw a bunch of these big tadpoles, like oh. literally, I shouldn't say a bunch. We saw a couple of them. But they were, I don't know. The size of a hot dog and the length of a... Oh. They're the size of like a half of a Snickers, you know what I mean? And <laughs> so they're big, and they must be like bullfrog tadpoles or something. And I'm assuming these smallmouth are getting absolutely yeah. fat on those things. No yes. kidding,
0: dude.
1: A tadpole pattern. I love it.
2: Yeah, but I, I forgot all my tadpole baits at home, so... <laughs> was-
1: dude, you just Carolina rig a bar-ass hot dog. It's pretty straightforward. I guess. I guess.
2: <laughs> that's that's cool cool. that my my tadpole colored poppers and crankbaits i left them at home
0: (laughs) that's a fun little lake rob i've been up there a few times that's where they do the hatch toyota fishing derby kids fishing derby every so i've been up there you know the last four or five years for they had to cancel it this year due to covid unfortunately but uh um, these kids will bring in the whole gamut like it's hilarious going to that derby because kids fishing derbies they're all different the number one thing is you just want kids to have fun right Yep, and yep. Uh, they you know they, they buy up a ton of prizes like every kid gets some type of prize whether it's a couple baits or something but Chaz, the owner of hatch will literally he'll buy flat screen tvs and scooters awesome. and bikes and all like just all kinds of sick prizes and like they'll, they'll go to their kids for just the most random stuff so the kids are all fired up to catch fish to win a prize and Heck yeah bring uh, pike catfish trout bass um and it uh, there's always a couple dudes that like, you know, you got kids fishing off the shore with mealworms and then uh, any kids invited. So there's a couple of the dudes from the bass club up there that bring their boat and, you know, take their kids out, take their kids or grandkids out and demolish the competition <laughs> every year. They, <laughs> kids are walking up with a four inch bluegill, they cut off the bank and they roll up in their glittery bass boat. And uh, unload the live well, unload all these bass out of the live well, and
1: just just spray that poor little kid with the four inch bluegill with the water coming out of it.
2: <laughs> what time of what time of year do you do that, Josh?
1: It's usually in June, man.
0: It was like just a, it was yeah. gonna be right about now, but um next year I'm sure they'll they'll be able to bring it
1: back. Josh, haven't <laughs> you been winning the the last few years?
2: <laughs> oh tournament, That's why he's I, I've. Got so won. many big screens.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> uh, were you gonna say something rob
2: yeah have you caught them pretty good there
0: uh no not really man i've never taken my boat on the lake i've just been and i i I walk around on the shore and help the kids that are fishing off the shore and stuff but um never had my boat is it it trolling motor only
2: it's 9.9 okay uh, horsepower so we were on rainbow lake yesterday and that's 9.9 also and um it was so windy i ended up loading it with my 225 but i only used 9.9 9 horsepower
1: <laughs> that's an eighth of the throttle right
2: yeah yeah 1500
1: rpm <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> so how does
1: that work rob you just trim it all the way out of the water and then you're legal
2: you don't even have to have it out of the water
1: just okay don't use it just don't fire it up
2: until you get windy and have to put it on the tra- trailer <laughs> yeah, it is what it is that's cool yeah. uh, um
0: Right on. Well, yeah. So speaking of tournaments, I just wrapped up my Toho tournament. We talked last week. Um, I was had just finished practice, and I didn't have a heck of a lot of confidence, if you couldn't tell, going into the tournament. And my hunch uh, came true. It was my worst tournament of the year. I finished thirty or 29th out of the 40 in my group and uh, did not advance into the knockout round. So it was kind of a bummer. Uh, I just, you know, honestly, I, I was around the right stuff kind of doing the right stuff but did not have the patience or confidence to double down on what i was doing enough to catch them if that makes sense like you know i i a lot of the fish were caught off of big giant expansive offshore hydrilla flats and um the fish in that situation they there's no depth contour so they have to relate to irregularities in the grass and um you know, I was in some of the areas where guys had caught him. I was throwing the same baits as some guys that had caught him. But uh, I, I just don't think I was patient enough, and I don't think I slowed down enough in the right areas. So uh, long what, story short, it, it uh, I, I went home early.
1: What dictates an irregularity? Like, is it where, like, it stops and starts or where there's, like, you know, a hole in it? Or what is that? specifically you know
0: yeah good question that's both like you know edges are key if you can okay. ever find the outside edge of a big giant grass flat that's going to be a key area um areas where it's clumpier as far okay. as it's, you know it's 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 bare than thick than bare than thick maybe it grows an area where it grows taller that was a big key like a lot of the areas uh-huh. where the grass grew an extra foot taller was kind of key um just, just again, yeah, anything that's different and, and in vast areas like that, sometimes those grass flats were a couple miles wide. So to find Jeez. them, what I was doing was I was actually running on pad on a calm day. You could do this. If you, if your sonar transducers mounted in the right place, you can get up on plane and run at like 20, 30 miles an hour and watch <laughs> your, watch the grass on the grass. You scout. Yeah. And when you see it do something weird, you know, you stop and you go back and, and circle it. And, uh, you know, you fish and if you get a bite, what you do in that situation to really kind of define the area that you're fishing, you actually start going in circles. So you get a bite on whatever X spot and you drop a waypoint, then you're going to fish a 20 yard circle around your waypoint. And then if you get a bite, you do a 40 yard circle. And then a sixty-yard circle, or however you want to do it. And if huh. you just keep doing these circles, you've created a bullseye. And, and and when you stop getting bit, you stop laying waypoints down. So a lot of times, like if you're fishing a lake, a grass lake like that, or even up on a smallmouth lake like St. Clair, where it's flat, um, that's that's you know what I've always done to try to try to distinguish the areas. Home. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that way How you're did- not you're on no man's land.
2: How did you come up with that, Josh? And I mean, is that something a lot of guys do? Or I mean, that's, I was told that. Opinion, okay, in my opinion, I mean, like what separates the, you know, the tour guys is the fact that they can find fish so quick, and that's obviously slow. You know, speeds up the process, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to get a bite first, right? So that's the key. Yeah. Is you get a bite, and then you, you, you know, you need to know Knock what to off. do. Wait you know whether was it a fluke or or is this a really good area so yeah i think i got that from james elam my travel buddy the first time we went to saint Clair, you know so wow. yeah he'll be real stoked that i gave away his little uh,
1: tip <laughs> on
2: here <laughs> but hey we gave him like a
1: three minute cameo last episode so he's we're more than square with him
2: yeah it's totally yeah.
1: worth his juice
2: he had a good he had a good tournament huh
0: he made the cut, so I was stoked for that man. He was he was happy and uh, kind of again doing the same thing. But after the tournament, we sit there and talk, and it's like, dang, you know, you, you do really similar things, but it's you know, he he was smart enough to to dial it in just a little bit better. So one other crazy thing from the tournament, and I don't want to talk tournament talk all, all episode, but uh, Jordan Lee, um, he he, wow. so we talked about the format format of the tournament, but the day so the second to last day of the tournament he's doing great but um he's got big fish of the day in 814 and it's gonna win him 50 grand for a big fish of the day and with like 15 minutes of fishing left michael neal catches an 815 and oh. takes- <laughs> oh. <laughs> so jordan i felt terrible and he he, he had to have been so bummed just like the air sucked right out of him Well the next day he goes out and catches big fish of the of the day and wins the tournament, won two hundred grand. So
1: uh, poor guy. Michael
2: Michael Neal said, I don't feel so bad now. (laughs) Wow. There's a there's like three guys in the sport. I mean Wheeler and him and who am I thinking else? I mean Nick McMurray. uh, Maybe Edwin. Maybe Edwin. just untouchable, dude. Like it's unreal what they what unhuman how, how well
0: they're fishing. Yeah, when you look at the competition they're fishing against to be that dominant <laughs> against those guys, that's the yep. crazy thing. Like, every one of those guys is, is really, stick. really good, man. They, they've they all won lots of tournaments, and, yep. uh, and, and you basically beat each other up and take each other's money. That's what we've been doing for the last <laughs> several years, you know what I mean? Like, you feel great one week, and you have a great tournament, and the next week, you feel like you just lost a, a nasty fight you know, and uh, those dudes just don't ever lose, don't ever lose, it's crazy, Uh, but yeah, so so now we're rolling into a totally different deal, like I I packed up my stuff out of Florida, and I spent an entire day working on tackle, and I'm sitting here at Lake Pickwick, Uh, my next tournament's on Lake Chickamauga, and it's going to be a ledge fishing tournament, I can't get on the water for another four days, so uh, we just drove over here, I'm with James and Roy Hawk, and uh, we're chilling at Pickwick for the week, just doing some fishing out here to get in the mood but uh it's summer ledge fishing time and the fish are moving off deep have you uh have you been in ledge fishing mode deep fishing mode rob
2: yeah definitely we've it's full-blown summer mode here um Saguaro, for example fishing offshore quite a bit um, on the edges and um you know i don't i don't know if you relate that to ledge fishing you always hear ledge fishing oh yeah is that what you call that here too yeah i mean i just you know it's, that it's call uh, offshore. offshore structure, that type of stuff is what I've always referred to it as. But, um, yeah, definitely. They're definitely in that mode for sure.
0: That's cool. Uh, it seems like summertime is is one of those times of year where it can be really consistent once you kind of find what depth those fish are holding at. It's not – they're not moving a ton. Like, they get out to their summer stuff, and they're just there, right? And, um, you know, things will change – Over a couple months, but and and the schools will get more beat up, and schools will form in different places. But the fish kind of get to where they're going, and that's where they're at for the summer.
2: Yeah, for sure. And you can get you can load the boat if you land on them right. You can load the boat in the morning, or you know, at some point at point in time throughout the day. I mean, there's going to be key times, but that's some of the best fishing to me when you can sit on one spot and hammer them.
1: So so out here in the west you know, like Rob was kind of differentiating how we label it, but talking about here, when, when the summer bites on and it's offshore, um, is it just a matter of finding that range of sweet spot and depth and then just covering water, Rob and Josh, or is it more a matter of like, again, those differentiating, you know, parts of the lake in that depth range? Like, how do you unpackage that?
0: a good question man it, it does vary of course from place to place but um a lot of times you will find there's a dominant depth you know and, and, and summertime like to 15 me 15 to
1: 25 ish yeah here.
0: It's exactly what i was gonna say man you get into that into the summer mode and it almost doesn't matter where in the country you are if, if it's got some some offshore water and it's not a, a, a freak shallow lake like a florida lake or something like that yeah that 15 to 25 is a great depth to be looking and uh and there's just little keys like little things that you want to look for to me once you get into the summertime uh, the fish are out there because it's cooler water there's current and there are baits out there right i mean that's yeah. the whole reason the fish are there um up in the shallow water there's less oxygen the water gets kind of hot and stagnant in the backs of the creeks so mm-hmm. if, it, if you got water coming into a creek it's different but different. if it's just a normal cover a creek the fish they want to get out there close to the current so uh you know stuff that touches the main lake is is what what i like to look for point okay. humps uh you know the ledges ridges stuff like that but it's got to be close to the lake are, are you in agreement rob
2: yeah 100 percent. close to the river channel coast close to uh channel swings that type of stuff and um i guess i fish the same le- i fish the same lakes over and over and over and try to chase the same fish every year so i'm not as um uh, tuned up on how to find them as josh is with the new electronics you know but i mean l- a lot of you guys will just spend hours and hours idling until you until you find them right josh
0: yeah Here, here's a funny story from yesterday and 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 we i think we talked about it maybe last podcast where sometimes you have to fish to find them if uh if it's like under 15 feet because you graph over them you could scare them or whatever okay. but a lot but what's hilarious was uh, yesterday was my first day at pickwick and uh, I got on the water at like 8 am and I just started to graph. You know, just gonna be no surprise in June any of these Tennessee River lakes, like a huge percentage of the fish are out there on the main lake, main river. And uh, I graphed for two hours before even pulling a rod out. Just I wanted to go out and find four or five schools that way uh, I could just cycle through them after I uh, was was in fishing mode. But I was on the water for two hours, never made a cast, and went back to the first school I found and caught one on the first cast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow. Nice, did your homework? Just, you,
0: yeah, and, and what you know when you're when you're doing that and you're looking around, the the more you watch your electronics, the more you get comfortable with your electronics. There, you'll see stuff where you're just like you're almost positive it's just going to be lights out when you uh, when you start to fish, you know. And and if you graph for two hours like that. Um, you, it gives you the luxury of not, uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out the right way to say it of not stopping on something where in your head, you're like,
2: ah, maybe there's water. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, ah, you know, if you're so excited to fish and you get on the water in the summertime and, and you stop on the first thing that you think might be fish or might be a good spot, it might be good, but chances are you're going to waste time. And then the Uh next, you get back on the motor. And you look, uh, I can't tell. It looks like a couple of fish down there next to that stump. And you go up and fish and you don't catch them. And next thing you know, you burned up three hours. And the dude that was idling for two hours straight or however long, I'm not saying what you have to do, but it's, it's uh-huh. a way to look at it, right? The dude has seen 30 maybe places, but he's seen three places that there was definitely a big school and uh, he's he's already got a limit in the boat, you know?
1: So, and on the graph, dude, does that look like, are you seeing bait and fish? Are you just seeing like hooks positioning themselves next to structure, just any and everything? Like you said, you just kind of get comfortable with your electronics or what about that?
0: Yeah. So when you're idling the fish, the fish on your 2D sonar are going to look like hooks. You know, you see, you, you, you see, uh, whatever you buy a a fish finder and on the box you see on on the image, they're all hooks. They're like, Like fingernail looking things, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, my dad would cringe. He hates fingernails. clippings. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But
1: that's what they are, right?
0: Biggest fear in the world. That's exactly what they look like. Uh, and, and, but see, they only look like that when the boat's moving. So if you're new to electronics, when you're sitting still, a fish on your sonar is going to be more of a straight line. It's going to stay in that screen longer, stay on your, under your transducer longer. If your boat's moving, it's going to be more of a hook. Um, And then, But what I like to do, and this is, again, if you've got the electronics to do it, and you can do this with one graph. You don't need multiple graphs for this. But I like to run two-dimensional sonar, like we're talking about, Mm -hmm. with your down view, clear view, down scan, whatever your company is. I use Garmin, so they call it clear view. But I like to run them side by side. So they're both looking down, but you got both the reference off of. So sometimes you'll see something that looks like something on one, but it's really obvious what it is on the other, and vice versa. I find the 2D picks up small objects better, but using that down scan or clear view, which is more like what looks like an actual painted picture, you can really pick things out in more detail. So I like to run them side by side.
1: Yeah, interesting. So, So I asked that question about our local lakes a little while ago. What about like, so then once you go to like those lakes in Tennessee, Like what is that, what are those fish positioning on? Is it a depth range? And then it's just, again, relating to like channel swings and like the main, the main channel. How do you, what do you target when you're just going to go out and idle for those two hours?
0: So a lot of times they're positioned on current. Okay. Whether it's a uh, lake, a river, lake or not, a lot of these lakes are river lakes, and in the summertime they put, pull a lot of water. So no matter where you live in the country, there's a good chance that your reservoirs have some current moving through that lake at some point. And um, that current's the biggest thing, man. It positions positions the fish more than anything. And okay. and it, it's really you know simple, man. They just they like to be sit in a place where it's easy for them to live. You know, where they don't have to swim in too much current, but also a place where the current's the bringing them. Food. To them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So they like to get, you know, a lot of times they'll position on the front or the back side of a hump or a shoal. And when they're on the front side, there's they're they're on the front, but there's still something that they're kinda of hiding behind. But that's the that's where the real right. conveyor belt of food is coming on the front side of whatever that that structure is. And and sometimes it's wind too. We talked about wind current before on this mm. podcast, but um, even if there's not a, a, dam, a lock and dam generating power, um, sometimes it's just wind, the wind's blowing 10 miles an hour in a certain direction for a couple hours, then a the big body of water, that water's moving and the fish are going to position, uh, somewhere where the wind brings mm-hmm. them food.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Nice.
0: That, oh, go ahead, Nick.
1: I was just said to finish that thought, so is pickwick kind of landing in that 15 to 25 foot range too? Is yeah. that kind of that universal depth range again?
0: totally man yeah a lot of these fish are in 20 to 25 out here cool. so uh, and they seem to bite better in current you guys see like even at our lakes at home saguaro the big fish bite so much better in the current you guys agree
2: mm-hmm.
1: absolutely yeah,
2: yeah definitely definitely
0: um right on right on so yeah uh just a couple of, we're getting a little nerdy there uh but those are those are uh, a <laughs> couple things you can do man
2: um that's
1: nerdy slash helpful yeah. man because i asked those questions and I, I, like Rob had mentioned, he's been guiding on these lakes out here for so long. It's kind of like wearing an old hat. It just fits and you know what you're doing, but I don't necessarily have the same amount of experience. So I learn a ton. I hope somebody else does. But as I listen to that, I can kind of visualize the next time I've got the Snoopy rod strung up with drop shots for my kids. It's like, all right, like I want to make my 30 minute window of attention span count. (laughs) I hear you, dude. Yeah.
2: Yes. That won't. Snoopy rods aren't going to only be strung up for your kids.
1: (laughs) Uh, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Rob. You're breaking up. I
2: think you lost something.
1: (laughs) Sorry, connection's bad. I don't know what you're saying.
2: Hey, Rob, (laughs) dude, I figured something out.
0: His truck's not really broken.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) My neighbor in South Phoenix is in on this too. He's the one who quote unquote broke my back doors. We got a thing. (laughs) Well, uh, if we it's funny,
0: to do up ourselves. We'll do it.
1: It's funny because it's true.
0: <laughs> I had one other thing on that. Oh, yeah, Rob, you talked about timing. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: yeah yeah i'm I'm gonna tell something a uh, t- timing story from yesterday, and if if you can think of one like a time in the past where timing really made a difference, if you get an example, I'd love to hear it. But like uh, just yesterday, I got on a school in the evening out here. And uh, I caught just a bunch of cookie-cutter two-pounders, and um, this morning, and I caught them on a drop shot. This morning, I was like, ah, it's on the way up to whatever part of the lake I'm going to fish today, so I started on it. And uh, that school of two and two-and-a-half-pounders, my first cast, I burned a Berkeley Dredger through there. And first cast, I caught a three-pounder, which is better than anything caught out of there yesterday. And then a couple casts later, I caught a five pounder. I just posted the fish on Instagram. So, uh, nice. but you know, it, it, it'd be real easy. And I kind of thought myself like, "Gang, hey, this is just a school of two pounders. You know, if it was a tournament, I might not have come back, but it's funny. You go at a different time and, uh, fish a little differently. And, and sometimes it's bigger fish bite early. See, so
2: my, ahead, take on that t- my take on that timing out here would be a good example would be a lot of guys will let's say Roosevelt when it's not full, but you know, half pool or whatever, say it's just not up in the brush summertime. A lot of guys will start out throwing top water crank and shallow and they'll catch dinks, right? I'll start out on a ledge and hopefully catch bigger fish. I think, I think those, the timing there, a lot of guys will fish shallow early and then come out late. I think they miss those big fish reversed.
1: Water.
2: Yeah. I, I just think Agreed. the big fish are living out a little further and, um, their active time is the same time fish are active on the bank. They're just out deep on those ledges or on those breaks, you know.
1: Just enjoying that cooler water, easier food coming to them type of scenario.
2: Yeah, it's just their active time, and it's that's where those fish are living. So that completely goes into timing. And then you'll see spurts throughout the day where, where you'll have a couple window, a couple hour window, or. 30 minute window where they bite you know Mm -hmm. and who knows what creates that other than it just happens you know god (laughs) God.
0: (laughs) Uh, that's cool he's totally right though i totally well i I, about god i agree yes
1: (laughs) yeah Uh, Uh, so so josh what do you think i mean and rob too so when you're catching those dinks off that spot in the evening, do you think those bigger fish are just kind of more, like, lethargic? Or they're just, like, they're chilling down there just watching the 5 o'clock news or something, waiting for the morning bite? Are they in the same spot is what I'm getting at with that? You think they're just there and less active? They, they don't move sit, off
0: of it? they got to still be there, right, Rob? I mean, it, they might suspend yep. out off the edge or whatever a little bit. But,
2: uh, yeah, they're probably still there. I think that's the key. That they suspend. They'll sit off the in edge. In no man's land just not as accessible
1: Mm -hmm. with
2: a bait you know harder Mm -hmm. to target them totally
0: and if you guys are if if you're idling around and and you do have a spot like that and the fish are up off the bottom or they're pulled off the side a lot of times you're better off just coming back on you make a few casts and don't catch one just come back later you want you want them to be positioned up on top of whatever that structure is
1: for sure because that means they're ready to eat, right
0: yeah yeah that's feed mode for Mm -hmm. sure
1: Mm -hmm. that's cool man
0: deep heck yeah okay so um for our silly time today you know one thing uh, that seems to stir people up a lot of times you know i'm a big sports guy we all are so it's funny when they like rank teams like power rankings and and stuff like that uh and just any any type of ranking people are always like it, it it just creates a lot of conversation. I thought maybe it'd be fun to come on here and start to try to rank some different things in fishing. Um, and we may get to one or two today and see how it goes. But, uh, I I say we all work together on this and try to come up with our, our top five most classic fishing baits. And I'm not just talking bass fishing. I'm just like the, maybe the most famous and successful, fishing baits of all time so it can't be a bait that's come out really i guess it could be a bait that's come out in the last five years but it better have made a heck of an impact if it did that mm-hmm. uh but let's uh how let's
2: specific see. how specific do you want to get like brand color bait or just uh, uh let's
0: just uh, yeah not color but brand and bait okay does that sound good
2: yep for sure right
0: on uh do either of you guys have one to throw out first or, or should no. i get it rolling
1: real- Instantly, I'm thinking, and it's funny, Rob just asked about color. (laughs) Motor oil, baby, the old curly tail, like four-inch motor oil. I think my first bass that didn't come on a hot dog was on. Man, that that was my go-to in my golf course pond fishing days. I love me some motor oil.
0: That's a good one, dude. That's so. So you want to just call it a power worm? Yeah. To give my Berkeley plug, but yeah, let's get that. uh, Yeah. It it is. It is. how could it not be a power worm right so a curly tailed power worm
1: dude and i would fish that like so raw the plastic would be all jacked up on on the hook like just looking super dumb nothing ever would eat that with like a big old split shot in front of it throwing it out there and somehow catching fish that was like my confidence bait when i was rocking the bowl cut
2: (laughs) i think you could i think you could kind of tell how old people are you wouldn't have to just just ask Ask them what the first plastic worm they threw was. No you kidding, could tell, <laughs> You could totally tell how old someone was. Because for me, it would be like a the first plastic worm would be a, a five or six inch curly tail purple worm. And the tail <laughs> would either be chartreuse or pink, right?
0: Tequila yeah. sunrise or purple? Was tequila sunrise a thing back then or was it just purple?
2: Tequila. Come on, Josh.
1: I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> you see that white in his beard? tequila Uh, hadn't been invented dumb question (laughs) he was still still drinking pirate's room
2: you buy them in the bulk bin and the purple ones were always sold out (laughs) interesting right on purple is a damn fishy color
0: that's that's cool i think you know just for bass fishing in general just a curly tailed worm power worm or something like that but probably a power worm and i'll tell you guys uh the seven inch power worm i think is still their best-selling bait which is amazing because you don't How hear about it, it much in tournament circles but uh just about just all the walmarts and bass pros across the world <laughs> you know what i mean they're just someone goes out and buys a bag of uh, hooks w- uh, weights and worms and catches bass you know
1: yeah
2: Be- because people shy away from the 10 inch so they think it's too big and but the general public probably likes that seven inch, don't you think?
0: Oh, yeah. And see, that's what I, 10 inches, what I threw all last week. And I throw it probably way more often than the seven, but I agree. Yeah. It's, yeah. That sounds intimidating. And uh, that seven inch definitely gets bit. And that little four inch that Nick's talking, that, that thing gets bit too. Uh, all
1: yeah, right. If you want to catch gonna... tiny fish, it's a good way to go. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. What do you I'm got? going to get back to the other. Uh, to, to maybe some more bass fishing on this, but I, I'm going to throw a fly in there just to Ooh. make me proud. Uh, would would a woolly bugger, if there was one fly that was the most popular, well-known fish catching fly in the U.S. anyways, is it a wooly bugger?
1: Dude, you you bet, man. That uh, that that's classic right there. Is I think I tied my first wooly bugger about the same time the power worm and the bowl cut era was in full swing. That was anyone with a vice and a hook and some yarn <laughs> could twist yeah. one of those things up. That that requires about an IQ of seven to get some kind of ugliness put together. And I would catch fish on that thing too, man. Like it didn't matter trout, bass, that. The woolly booger is, uh, yeah, it's, and it's. I think it's refined over the years. My brother likes to call it a semi-seal. So I don't know oh, if that's because yeah. it looks like a, a baby seal or something. You know, maybe it's like a seal larva. <laughs> I don't know why they call it that, but it sounds cooler than woolly booger. But, uh, yeah, the old woolly so booger. The,
2: the semi-seal leech is um a fly i think it was created by john romer wasn't it
1: i think and, so too rob yeah maybe he
2: sells he sells the material to tie those and like he does really well on small mouth and large mouth fish
1: catching thing. thing ever
2: just a, yes big time big time i caught did a five it, pounder out of saguaro on that years ago
1: a large did, mouth?
2: largemouth. mouth yeah, a large mouth yeah did rod. you
1: catch it out, out of a boil rob
2: yes on nice. a five weight yeah under under undermatched with the rod but it was fun to catch
1: yeah well you always would up me i caught one that was about three and a half or four same deal out of a boil and it was it's uh you know it's funny and i've never tried this but i would be willing to bet so the semi seal doesn't have a lot of like extra material off the shank of the hook it's pretty it's condensed but there's tons of bait fish patterns that they leave a pretty good amount of material off the shank of the hook and it gets this real seductive wobble to it, where it—I mean—it looks so fishy, like there's just a little tail back there wow. kicking. Dude, I bet if you threw that on a drop shot and like a really pressured situation, I bet you'd catch them. I've never tried it, but like it is such a, a delicate, natural presentation. I don't know. I—I—I want to try it sometime.
0: Have you drop shotted a fly, Rob, ever?
2: I don't think I have. I think I had the idea what Nick's talking about, and I don't think I've ever done it um if you ever
1: get but, one of those just check it out in the water and, and you'll be amazed as soon as that material gets wet it gets real wispy and it just kind of like it just has a really fishy wobble
2: yeah i think it could be really good in, in a pressured like if you had smallmouth in and super clear water and you could yeah cast it's like a wire. hair jig almost right yes yeah you would absolutely stroke them Dude, Josh that.
1: talking about flies. What about the old classic parachute Adams? That's the that's the morning dawn Robo worm of the uh, trout community. That's just a, <laughs> that'll make you laugh, dude. As soon as like they're, they're a joke that my brother and I always like to tease because he catches plenty of fish nymphing, and that's you know kind of glorified bobber fishing with a nine foot fly rod. So he has a good sense of humor. We're always bantering back and forth. So, you know, if he catches fish like, at least ferry on his nymph rig, it's, like, hitting dries again, you know, because dry flies are so much cooler because it's, you know, surface. But uh, the other classic one, too, is, like, oh, the fish are picky. Have you tried to parachute Adams lately? Uh,
0: <laughs> that's funny, dude. That's I, I didn't even realize that it was that generic, man. You know, it is, I, yeah. In my very small amount of fly fishing guiding back in the day, um, dude, I was – I'm sure – Any real fly angler would have scoffed at me uh, in my fly box back then. But I had no (laughs) idea, dude. had no idea that it was uh, something to be kind of laughed at a little bit.
1: Um, Only because it catches fish, though. I mean, like, right? I'm sure everyone still has a great level of success. It's just the creativity is gone. It's not as, like, as exciting as, like, micro-managing and overthinking things. as just tying on, like, a size 12 parachute Adams because it's just – catch it it's it's the it's the it's the seven inch worm again right it catches them it's not as respected but it catches them gotcha so gotcha right so you're on.
2: saying when you show up to a stream you tell the guy i remember when i used to throw those
1: yeah exactly just big time <laughs> right out of the gate be like jeez oh,
2: it that said that
1: well What's it's gonna be nick
0: who
2: wasn't that said that
0: to you dude or
2: it wasn't me it was boyd fishing that urban oh that's guys. right i remember when i used to throw those <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is single-handedly one of the best insults. Another one that I love, Rob, that you taught me, you didn't say this, but someone said it to your buddy at the weigh-in at a tournament when he looked in his bag and said, eh, it's pretty good for you. That's
2: pretty good for you, yep. <laughs>
1: that's, a, that's like the most mind-shattering, like confidence-destroying things. If you can pull that off with a straight face, you'd get punched in the face, but up until that punch, it'd be pretty funny
0: that's a good one dude i've actually gotten that one too once myself like not didn't say that but (laughs) it was dude there was a tournament it it was it was uh dude it was the first day of a classic and one of the anglers i'll i'll leave him unnamed dude i had had a pretty good season dude but uh after so so i was really offended by it he goes (laughs) top 10 good job josh like that and the way he is the way he said it i was like dude screw you man like yeah that. that like thanks for being so surprised i appreciate that man uh, we're proud of you we're all proud i would
1: have come back yeah come back
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh okay so uh to, to go Again, super old school with this one, and I'm talking super old school. I should, should have researched to see when this thing started, but do you, you guys back know. Is when a Jimmy daredevil Houston daredevil was
1: five years old?
0: Probably before that, dude. <laughs> you know what a daredevil spoon is? Oh baby! Oh yeah! Red and white.
1: Dude, that oh, is yeah. a fish catching some bitch right there.
0: How yeah, many pike I has just, that
2: been caught? Go ahead, Rob. I, I used to have a whole tackle box full of those growing up in Minnesota that's the daredevil is the staple of fishing in minnesota at least that wobble up. as a kid yeah yep. yep. i love yeah, that they sell kid, that
1: Sorry, go ahead rob i'm just gonna shut up now
2: as a kid you can launch that thing so far <laughs> and of course your line snaps as it goes out yeah <laughs> you
1: find the end of your spool real quick <laughs> yep.
2: yep that monofilament is stretched to the max
0: your four pound blue mono as you're slinging that thing with a
1: whistling with a, uh, in the wind
0: <laughs> attached to your uh line with a swivel yeah you know? on an ugly oh, stick snap swivel yeah we've dude we've all been there i, I to be okay. honest i don't know if i ever caught one on it but you know growing up uh, just like you in minnesota i grew up kind of fishing in the north as a little kid in new hampshire and maine and stuff and uh, same thing like all the old timers were all about the daredevil you know but i <laughs> yep. i throw it and uh we would literally just tr- would troll around the lake and you just kind of pump your rod. Like
1: yeah, this. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got to put the action so, in it.
2: I've got a have got a huge success story about the daredevil. We were, um, on a bear hunt in, in Alberta, Canada. We're hunting archery bear over cookies. Basically we're hunting them over bait and <laughs> the bear hunting, the bear hunting was completely below average. I would never do it again. Oh. Um, But the pike fishing was just epic. It was phenomenal. (laughs) And it was me, a buddy of mine, his brother, his son, and his dad. And his dad was, I don't know, upper 60s, early 70s, and grew up in Iowa. Hardcore daredevil guy. And he would go out and fish those daredevils deeper and slower than anyone else. And he was catching the biggest uh, northern pike. It was unbelievable. Like 10, 20-pounders? Oh, like, yeah, like 20-plusers, right? Holy big cow, dude. And my, myself, I was out there having a just a heyday, catching them on uh, Johnson silver minnows and a big orange jerkbait. And yeah. I was excited because I could see all my strikes, right? But I'm catching, like, five to eight-pounders and a bunch of them. But, I mean, I was enjoying what I was doing, and he was catching way less but absolute monsters ah. on their dogs. So it was pretty cool that's cool
0: dude what uh yep.
2: what
0: what about the bear hunt did you like like were you guys all oh, successful you'd... or just like what no we
2: we all killed bears i sh- I shot a bear out of a tree stand at 14 yards and my <laughs> shot was the longest Whoa. shot in camp that week no kidding um, yeah my buddy had a bear come up his tree had to kick him in the snout to get him down <laughs> um, i don't want to shoot you in the head <laughs> roll your side are They black bears black bears yeah i ended up shooting a color phase bear which was That's pretty racist. cool he was like a kind of a you can't <laughs> he say was that. kind of a kind of a reddish color brownish reddish color um but they bait them so they're they buy cookies from a cookie factory they buy like seconds and they pile <laughs> all these cookies up
1: <laughs> these are <laughs> really cookies
2: yes yes and then all winter they trap beavers They take the trapped beavers, (laughs) they throw them in 55-gallon drums, and they bolt the top. Like, you've seen those, the tops, uh, it's like a ring, and they they tighten it up and bolt the top on, right? And they get so rank when they pop that Uh, top off, they have to stand back because the lid will fly up in the air because it's uh, so rank inside uh, that barrel. All the guides smell like rotten, like dead beavers. Yep, (laughs) yeah. And they hang the beavers from a tree. The bears will come in there and jump up and liter- literally swing their entire entire body weight from the beaver tail or whatever Whoa. part of the beaver they can grab until it rips down, and then they can eat it.
1: Huh?
2: Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty wild. It's just that's not, it's majestic. Yeah, it's not hunting to me. It's just it was a killing thing, but right. you know, yeah. whatever. We did it once. I'll never do it again. How was the bear to eat? That's the thing, dude. They don't even eat the bears like they don't eat them. Uh, and I understand it's one of those things they have to harvest them up there and they have to take them just to manage population control. So, yeah, they have so many bears, but whatever. It's just it wasn't it wasn't my type. Of Did deal. Boyd at least
1: go... take the classic picture on the bear skin rug? Did you at least get that? Like, was he like know. a year old and doing that like in front of your fire or anything?
2: I don't think so. <sighs> I don't think we have that. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it wasn't. It was cool. If I went to Canada again, I would not do that hunting. I would do the I would go pike fishing or smallmouth fishing. God, Canada
1: has so much awesome stuff to do besides that. Yeah, I don't blame you. The
2: last thing the last thing you want to hear as your clients stepping in your boat is like, "Yeah, we fish in Canada." All <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> That's when you're like, you here just, comes a 2-star review on go. Yelp.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're in Arizona, you're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> That's
1: hilarious.
2: But it's just Dude. easy fishing like we, yeah. were, we went out to dinner for Boyd's birthday the other night, and the table next to us, there was this guy. He was in his 80s, and, like, he was so funny, dude. All he wanted to do was talk about bass fishing. We weren't even talking to him. We were just overhearing him, and he, the entire table want, wanted to talk about other stuff, and he wanted to talk about bass fishing, and then they started talking about fishing in Canada and how they caught a fish every other cast, and, and mm. I just thought it was a – Boyd and I were dying laughing, like, that guy would have been better off at our table talking about fishing, yeah than the table he was at but it was pretty funny
0: poor guy when you when, when you're at a table like that and no one does what you're doing or if you meet it if you you know you're at a party or something and you meet the one guy that likes fishing dude you're like yeah mm. now i can actually yeah. have an actual <laughs> yeah. conversation because i don't know how make, to talk about anything else
1: they make exactly. memes about those situations right <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah.
2: they do how uh, are we doing with the ranking we're kind of we're kind of fizzing out on the
1: ranking. well no we're just freestyling here we're freestyling i think we've got what three contributions now
0: yeah we're three in and dude we got to get last thing on that since rob's already ready to move on i don't blame you we're just talking about (laughs) nothing here uh but hey we need to get perch on to tell some bear stories like when we had cliff perch on we talked too much fishing and he has great fishing stuff but his hunting stories are crazy but he's got a story where he was like it, looking for antler sheds or something and he stepped on a hibernating bear and woke it up out of <laughs> hibernation <laughs>
1: dude. i think i just broke my microphone laughing at that are you it's, serious
0: yeah he said he he woke this thing up dude and like he realized it as he was about to step on it what it was and uh dude it's a bear and it was like this old nasty bear that had lost like all the fur on oh, it it was face. mangy
1: and so stuff it was uh-huh. like
0: it had like this white pale face with like no mm. hair he said it was the scariest thing he's ever seen, dude. And like he like treat him and like he, he had to get up on some type of mound and like I don't remember we gotta get him on, but it was a, a pretty gnarly. Story. He started
1: singing lullabies trying to get it to fall back asleep. He's throwing drowsy.
0: down at its feet like they did uh <laughs> like Rob's uh hunting. <laughs>
1: uh, oh my gosh, dude, that's crazy. <laughs>
0: uh okay, so uh we well, yeah, we're three in. Uh I've got a couple more written down, but if you guys have any uh any do uh, you guys have any any more so
2: very current go ahead
0: we've got a power worm we've got a woolly bugger and a daredevil
1: okay well and i was thinking i mean i don't think this thing ever caught fish but a staple in my childhood again i don't know why i'm going so nostalgic today but do you remember the paid programming for the banjo minnow and that song would come on and then they had all that footage of bass just like swallowing the banjo minnow they couldn't take by $49.99 fast enough did you actually buy some no because i was too young to order something over that they they were only doing mail-in orders i think that Uh, that worth
0: mentioning it's worth mentioning but there's no way it actually makes the top five most classic baits
1: Maybe just classic right. impact. It,
2: it it may it may be one of the most talked about because it's it's um, the general public knows more about it than than they should, right? It's, yeah. They think they think it's a legitimate bait because it was on an infomercial.
1: <laughs> Dude, Billy May is selling that thing would be like a duo from heaven. Rob, you might have had a better uh, contribution. Apparently, the banjo meta just went flat. I hate you guys. What do you just got? Just
2: a, a surface popper
1: yeah the rebel pop R
2: yeah no specific brand really but just a a popper you know how many old school fishermen i run into that they're like yep the only bait i've ever thrown is a popper or a surface lure of some sort but a popper is just like the general staple for surface fishing so i'm gonna have to go with that
0: that's cool. And it, and it's it goes for fly fishing as well. You know, we're not talking True. one specific bait here, but uh you know, poppers are really popular in fly fishing. So yeah, man, I I definitely would give you that and it works for a lot of different species for sure.
2: Have you ever run into those old guys that all they've ever thrown is a surface lure? Like,
0: oh, for sure.
2: Yeah. And again, so you're talking funny. about like, people
0: that fish up north where they just crush more pond fishermen, you know, they have like one rod yeah. with that one bait and they just take it out and catch fish. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Josh, what's on your list?
0: I don't know if it's my service or if it's uh, um, okay, last one for me would be some type of uh, little inline spinner, right?
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. Like a tail, maps.
0: maps something like that. Um, yeah, inline spinner just for and mainly for trout, but also they just bigger, bigger ones for uh, bigger species of fish. So that's got to be, well, I like to see that's now now I then I'm leaving beetle spin off. Okay, so we can only have one spinner. Yeah. So is it, uh,
1: is
2: it a rooster tail or an inline spinner? It's got to be a map style rooster
1: tail. Yeah, it's up thinking too.
2: It's so, I mean, because that can go from catching panfish to trout to muskies, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I got my teeth kicked in in a tournament um, one time in New Mexico. And uh, the guy in front of me caught, not a giant limit, but he caught 12 or 13 pounds of smallmouth. On a completely pink, flat pink, monochromatic inline spinner.
0: Interesting. Rob's caught a lot of smallmouth on an inline spinner. I really, yeah, I haven't.
2: Panther Martins. You, I don't think you could open a tackle box in the Midwest without and not find a Mep spinner or. A <laughs> yeah.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That one's definitely worthy. That's cool. He was throwing pink, man. That smallmouth just like love bright, bright. Right. Right. I got a big old wasp in here. That's why I'm kinda of, I don't know you I hope he bites you. <laughs> I <am right> now. <laughs>
1: Dang. That will get yeah. our ratings. We'll finally crack the top three thousand. If you get stung <laughs> by a wasp on air, easily in the top three thousand podcasts.
0: We would be in in all the wasp searches though, man. It wouldn't even be for <laughs> yeah. fishing. We'd be in wasp
1: groups. Oh, uh, we might have uh, something in common with them. I don't know.
0: <laughs> right on. Well, that's kinda cool. I think uh so let's do this if if uh if you if you're a listener and you've got a bait that we missed send it to us in a message it would be really interesting to hear what what we missed or what you think would be good um i think next week we will do the top five fishing tv shows of all time yeah. in our in our opinion and i guess you know so we're talking north american freshwater fishing here we're not very well versed in anything else so uh that's broad enough i don't, I don't want to try to take it no, past she's that caught tons you tons of bluefin
1: it? tuna come on now
0: <laughs> you guys have any other ideas for other rankings that we can we can do
1: so we can think about it yeah baits are pretty good shows are pretty good um yeah we'll, we'll think about I, I i'm such a non-politically correct i'm thinking fishing stereotypes too but that might be way too um inappropriate <laughs> so i might have to leave those in my mind but that could be a pretty funny <laughs> list too <laughs>
0: We'll think about a way to do that one. It would be
1: fun. Clean it Uh,
0: up. Right on. Well, hey, uh, before we uh, shut this thing off, I did want to uh, talk about some sad news. I hate to talk about sad news, but we talked about uh, lightning strikes in our last episode. And As crazy as this is, the day after we published that episode, a really well-known Italian angler, his name is Gianni Rizzo, uh, bass fisherman out of Italy was struck and killed by lightning while he was fishing so Insane. we really just want to say uh give our condolences to his family and friends he, and he had a lot i mean a lot of friends a lot of people love this guy but uh it's, it's unbelievable that the day after we're talking about this this guy is out fishing his favorite lake on his favorite spot and, and lightning strikes his rod and kills him it's uh wow. it's
2: unreal that's terrible
1: yeah absolutely like you said man condolences to his friends and family that's uh that's a that's just a tough unspeakable thing.
0: No doubt, no doubt. So, uh, anyways, uh, that uh, I think that's about all we've got. Do you guys have have anything else before uh, before we wrap this up?
1: Just a big thanks to all the people listening, man. We uh, we appreciate y'all. We're having a good time doing this still, and uh, anyone that is listening to us, we appreciate you.
0: Thanks again for listening to the podcast, guys. We've got some great guests in the pipeline, so keep an eye out, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.